0: Celebrity, let your weary mind be free, and someone kind of famous who you can't see. It's time for Sleeping with Celebrity.
1: Hello sleepy heads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite guests to step out of the spotlight and into the nightlight. On this show, for just one bedtime, we don't ask them to bring their A-game, but rather their Z-game. It is a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead... We'll be sleeping with Jean Grey. She's going to talk with me about designing one's life.
0: I like a a nice, bright, shiny thing sometimes, but I like a well-worn-in leather, something that's patinaed, something that has probably lived a bit of a life that tells a story that I can help tell a new story to.
1: Before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I wish to tell you about another podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. We See Each Other, the podcast, is a nine-episode limited series hosted by journalist and authoress Travell Anderson and journalist Char Jossel. It's based on the book authored by Trevell entitled, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. You may already know Trevell from their other podcast on the network, Fantai. In this series, Shar and Trevell seek to document this current moment of trans visibility and the importance of trans representation in our culture. They interview some of the most prominent trans and non binary public figures today, and also everyday trans people, and they have self described kitchen table conversations, which I'm told is kind of like unfiltered. You should subscribe to this show, We See Each Other, the podcast, and tell your friends to subscribe. We See Each Other is available on Maximum Fun and wherever you find sleigh-worthy audio. And now, let me introduce my guest, Jean Grey, who spells that last name G-R-A-E. It's one of the many things that makes her not a member of the X-Men. Jean is a former rapper, whose Instagram profile proclaims that she is, quote, a gender-transcendent entity made of fine silks, multi-potentialite, autodidact, genius, unquote. I'm pretty sure those are all positive characterizations, because I've met Jean before, and she's not the kind of person who lacks confidence. The last album she put out was called You Effing Got This S fill in your own cuss words Affirmations for the Modern Persons Jean has made a name for herself in New York's underground hip hop scene and is celebrated for her quick witted tongue twisting and conversational observations. Jean is also a friend of Of the Maximum Fun Network, and she is an occasional guest bailiff on the Judge John Hodgman program. Jean, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities.
0: This is very calming and fantastic. And I want to say the tagline with the Z incredibly clever. Oh, good.
1: Gene, I like to start bedtime conversations off with a question or two about sleep. Do you mm-hmm. fall asleep easily yourself?
0: I think if I would allow myself the the nights that I do, the moments that I do, allow myself to be non-distracted by digital things, I fall asleep very quickly and I can, hmm. I sleep through the night.
1: What is the best night of sleep you have ever had?
0: There are a few. I think anything, any any night, it doesn't even, any sleep actually, daytime, nighttime, whenever. Um, one recently, when i just i was not planning to fall asleep on a new couch my new couch and it was mm. my first time napping and i was a little bit sick mm. and i was like the temperature was just right i just had some soup and oh. uh like um, i was in the middle of a movie and i was like i mean am i going to make it and i woke up like a good 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 nap amount like 2 hours later mm. and i was like That was fantastic. That and any time I can wake up without panic. Mm.
1: What kind of soup was it?
0: Um, I made myself a sort of Vietnamese inspired soup, so a lot of uh, ginger and garlic and um, some noodles. And a little bit of shredded chicken that I had roasted the day before. So it was it was really nice and warm and simple.
1: It was perfect. That's a good sleeping soup. Yeah. Do you sleep in the same position every time?
0: I'm a couch, I assume so. Bed, I do like to fall asleep on my I'm I fall asleep easier on my stomach. I generally wake up on my side, but I do know that my legs do a lot of things in my sleep that I am unaware of. And I am also, I've been grinding my teeth since I was very small. So whatever enables my mouth guard to stay in Mm -hmm. is the best position to wake up in.
1: You are here to talk about designing one's life. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular about that topic that lends itself well to sleeping?
0: Yes. Um, In talking about designing your life and why I couldn't choose one thing, what it would be. I was like, would it be designing like your house, your clothes, your food your menu whatever it might be and i they all go with each other and um for me it's the idea of being intentional and telling a story and finding those things that work best for you make you feel the best way that you can over over the past three years i think i've finally gotten to a place where i understand how to do the research for the things that I like, for the things that I don't like, for the things that I need. Sometimes you read things and you're like, I didn't even know I needed that or wanted it. And I'm sure as all adults, maybe when you get into your late, I think people might be doing it earlier now, your 30s or your 40s, Mm -hmm. you need, We'll talk about sheets in a second, but you have to find a good mattress because guess what? Your body is not a young body Mm. and it needs a good mattress. You can't just fall asleep anywhere on two chairs that are laid out, on a box of pizza. Whatever it is you used to do is not It's not jamming for you anymore.
1: It's sleep, it's not passing out.
0: It's not passing out. It is very, very different. And I don't know if the issues you may have had uh, in finding the right mattress for yourself, but it it took me a year and a half just to complete the
1: research. What have you learned is the most important factor in selecting a new mattress?
0: Well, in selecting a new mattress, I think for me, I was very concerned that I was having a lot of lower back pain. I also didn't want it to be too high up or too low down, which meant comparing it with a frame, a box spring. I didn't need it to sink in too much. And I was like, I'm discovering that I'm very much a princess and the pea sort of person Mm. in researching this mattress because I was being so intentional about it and started to look at different weights on different mattresses, how deep you might sink in if you weigh a little more or a little less or if you're taller can you sit on the edge of the bed or does the edge of the bed cave in is that important to you and I was like that is important to me I discovered that those things that I needed to be intentional about were, were because I have a a disorder I have hypermobility syndrome so I, you know, I feel everything, my body feels everything and getting into bed, being able to sleep comfortably, and waking up with less pain when you're in chronic pain, so incredibly important. Besides that, the feel of the sheets. Mm. I need, I need a crisp sheet.
1: What constitutes a crisp sheet? And are we talking about thread count?
0: You could be talking about thread count or you could be talking about uh, cotton. I'm I'm not a person who sleeps hot. It, again, took me a long time to find sheets. I enjoy parachute. I enjoy brook linen um, because there's a very, like, cotton percale sheet, you know, that's very nice and crisp. I don't mind if they're a little bit wrinkly. I kind of like the idea of an unmade, messy bed because it reminds me... When I walk by it in the daytime, I don't want to know that when I look at my bed, I am I have more work to do to get in the bed again. I sort I want to be reminded about the amazing sleep I had and kind of I curated a little bit, I fluff the duvet. I I might put the, you know, the pillows back, but I leave it kind of um like a bed thirst trap of sorts. Mm. Like, it's like, yeah, you want to get back in here.
1: Do you think that Brooke Linen would make an excellent sponsor for our show?
0: I think they would. All right. I think they absolutely would. And please let them know that I am absolutely crazy about them. I have six sets of sheets. And mind you, I'm the only person who lives here sick because. One, I like to switch it up um, decor purposes and if I'm switching my duvet cover, but uh, also I don't wanna keep doing laundry and it kind of keeps that down.
1: All right. So it seems like in terms of style and in terms of Mm -hmm. livability, we're going for something that has been carefully selected but also has a lived-in quality to it.
0: Yes. All right. I didn't. Um, I didn't know that that was a thing that I enjoyed until, maybe, yeah, maybe the the past few years. And I think, in general, for myself, that's that's the idea of my style. That's the idea of uh, things that I, I I enjoy. I like a, a nice, bright, shiny thing sometimes, but I like a well worn-in leather, something that's patinated, something that has probably lived a bit of a life that tells a story that I can help tell a new story to. I like things, I like combining things from the past and uh, telling stories and very much taking, um, this is very important to me, um, but we'll get into it at some point, I think, taking things from imperialism and colonialism and reclaiming them in a space for me and for my ancestors.
1: Oh, what would be an example of, of reclaimed colonialism in your home?
0: Um, I think it, I started to really understand it when I was gravitating to a lot of things that were like, oh, this is like British colonial and so many parts of me were like, no. No, I, I, I do not want my home to look like that. So it's, what what is happening that I'm drawn to some of these things, but also I'm putting on top of it. You know, um, like I want to sort of destroy it, hmm. or I'm sitting it next to all of these things about African art, and I am, very many things so I draw from all of those cultures um and when I realized I was layering like even uh ticking uh fabric for my bed sheets and I was like that's fine and that's beautiful um I'm not blending things with exoticism which is what I think you might see in these uh colonial homes or they go on these global trips and uh and I was gonna say bring things home with them, but no steal. Take. take take things. Take things from people. Um and my idea of this life design, whether it's my clothes or my home, is very much this sort of uh reclamation of, of these spaces. I love these. Oxford shirts. I love a lot of like uh, Ralph Lauren and and Brooks Brothers shirts, but I do combine it with uh, like Alta painting on the hands from Bengali women or something that feels like warrior paint or a braid or very specifically cutting up a suit.
1: Cutting up a suit. How do you cut up a suit?
0: Oh, you can cut up a suit so many ways. Um, maybe cut the arms off, replace them with leather, or just sort of um, the destructive quality to it uh, mm. brings me great, great joy and making it feel like it's live it's very, very lived in. I think my description that I had for this look, this feel, the smell, the way I cook, all of it is one thing, and I thought so. A hot, sweaty, like afternoon sun beating down on you marketplace, and your Oxford uh, dress shirt is like just soaked all the way at the pits, and the and the stain down the back, and you got your comfy chinos on, and your and your little loafers, and your sunglasses, and you might be carrying a little parasol, and you're the smell of like musk and saffron and spices in the air and you're haggling at a marketplace uh, over some silk Mm. because you're taking a little trip to bring some silks home for your business. And I was like, that would describe (laughs) sort of who I am as a person, which is combining all of these things um, from my heritage, from my genetic makeup. I am all of those things in one, including the colonialism and the imperialism. So um I think the importance of me putting that into everyday and everything that I do is also because I am the end of my bloodline. So I feel like I will be everything then. You and have to
1: be you have to be the the highlight reel of the
0: I am the highlight reel of of all that came before me.
1: If I am in a silk market, and I want to get a good price on silk, what method would you recommend I use? Sleepyheads, I wish to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network, where we always have... The maximum amount of fun that is permissible. I wish to tell you about Triple Click. It's a weekly video game podcast hosted by Maddie Myers, Jason Schreier, and Kirk Hamilton, three veterans of the world of video game journalism. They get high scores in journalism. Each episode of Triple Click features these three hosts talking about what they're playing, what they're loving, and what's going on in the world of games. It's good for experts and newcomers alike, and is a great first stop for lapsed gamers who've gotten back in the saddle. It's a fun, breezy show, and it won't waste your time. At Triple Click, they bring the games to you. New episodes every Thursday, here on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I am in a silk market, yes. and I want to get a good price on silk, yes. what method would you recommend I use? I,
0: here's, here's, here's the real deal. I think the price that I could get on silk and the price that you could get on silk are
1: <laughs> might be different prices. Let me rephrase the question. If you are in a silk market and you want to get the best price for the best silk, mm-hmm. how would you do it?
0: I am going to pull from one of my 37 things out of 23 in me that I am. And I'm also gonna be like, brother, no, no, I am from a long time ago from here. Um, i have definitely, I'm I'm in the middle of learning four languages, so I'd like to polyglot it up. Uh, mm-hmm. I think language as a, a a connecting factor is so is such an an opening door. Um, and if we have the capabilities to be able to do that then you know go pick up the skill if you're if you want to know how to haggle for some silks or a rug at a market there are videos for that Mm. go learn the thing go whatever it is what part of your life you're trying to design or you see future you doing or you see it in a dream and you know like that's something i would like go go do it that you can do it
1: how much can we tell about your sense of style by the background of where you're sitting right now this is an audio program of course but i wonder if you could take us on a tour of what's (laughs) behind you
0: Um, quite a bit. I am a very intentional person. I've always been, uh, incredibly intentional. So I think that also falls a lot into my style, into my, um, the way I place things in my home, the way I place things on myself. And I think, um, I'm going to get into it into the background you guys hold on that uh because being in specifically the rap business and at that time identifying as a woman um, there was very little space for people to understand that I was being very intentional about things and that was the hardest part of being in that business, and people thinking, you know, ah, it's rap. It's a, you don't care. You don't care if you show up to a photo shoot and we don't have anyone here to do your makeup or do your hair or how you present, because right, it's just it's just rap. You're rough and tough, and you want graffiti. And I'm like, calm down.
1: You don't I, always graffiti.
0: I, I, as a kid from New York in the 1970s, I think it's funny that I walk around now and I'm like, oh, you know, it's like they didn't have to do that. The kids keep coming back in the middle of the night and I wish they wouldn't. And someone said, it's funny you complaining about the graffiti. And I was like, because it's not good, mm. like it's, if you're here, like work with the building, work with the shapes, <laughs> know your neighborhood, um, but I think, yeah, in, in talking about style and design or shelves or book placement, I, I spent like years studying.
1: How to put d- things on rule.
0: shelves? I spent, yeah how to place things, there's usually a rule of thirds. Um, how to balance, bounce the eye around, the, the eye needs to travel, says Diana Vreeland. Um, where to draw focus to, uh, and especially when it's shelves in your home. Um, I want it to speak immediately. If there are guests, I want my home to speak immediately, the same way I do everything else that you already understand who I am, you can get a glimpse. You know, it tells a story without me telling a story. Um so I learned the rules about shelf designing, and like anything else, you learn the rules so that you can break them. Mm. Like what you know, if the rules of of uh, fashion are Coco Chanel said, take one thing off. You're like meh. Also, you know, she hung out with Nazis, so that's not. There's let's that. let's, uh, grain let's, of salt there.
1: Let's give um, her a little bit of a wide berth on that one.
0: Yeah. So behind me, I have um, this is a large section of bookshelves. Um, I was. Very intentional about wanting floor-to-ceiling uh, shelves, so these go uh, very high ceilings. It's a lot of books. Mm. Uh, on the top is a collected piece from uh, a bust. Um, when I was looking into getting busts for the house, most things that are sold are European in nature or origin, or it just felt a little too, uh, we're gonna go full French, like, exotique. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this doesn't, I don't like this balance. So uh, this is, uh, I looked into uh, statues and busts that would be representative of my ancestors and my people, and also be able to balance it with a little, I look at Europe as the exotique. Um, so this is from Angola. Um, these prints that I have behind me, there's one of tigers, and there's one of cranes. I have a very limited amount of color that I enjoy in my house. The pops are usually like um, saffron or reds, greens, sages, mm. and maybe a little pink. Um, And if you're looking for any prints, uh, you can make large-scale ones, small-scale ones. Go online and look at all the common uh, uh, creative, especially if you're shooting something and you can't get it cleared and you need it in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, But the museums have these wonderful prints available in high resolution, high quality, if you're looking for some art for your home. Another shelf of books that I generally like to color code.
1: I was going to say on the on the shelf uh, above your left shoulder, mm-hmm. a lot of red. I'm seeing yes. a book about Basquiat. Yes. I'm seeing some other, there's Crying in the H Mart, I believe. Yes. And um, why, why is there a section of red books in a lot of otherwise uh, black books?
0: Um, my uh, general color palette for dressing is I'm mostly in black. Mm. Mostly in black. Um, the other pop of color that you see, I have it on my nails um i generally do like uh now like a red sort of very very exaggerated sort of eyeshadow. like it feels like warrior paint um pick colors i don't that make you feel good in whatever way you want to feel good mm-hmm. um red makes me feel powerful it makes me feel uh sexy, it makes me it it reminds me of um, heat and passion but also blood because I have an issue <laughs> with a lot of ultra sort of violent things but in a great you know it works it works for me. Um, do you and, think
1: do you think it's the same reason why Sammy Hagar is so fond of red?
0: Why is Sammy Hagar so fond of red?
1: He's known as the red rocker, you know, and he has a song called Red, and he often wears red whenever he performs. Probably.
0: It's a, red is a very arresting color. You know, if there's always, uh, for women, let's say the little black dress, And if you are that person that shows up in the red dress, they're like, this hussy. Mm. (laughs) Because it's red. Even, uh, you know, there's a general uproar when uh, I think a lot of middle America sees performers in red. Is immediately like, Satan, how dare you? And I'm like, you can't just assign red to Satan. What are we doing?
1: There's more to red than Satan. That is my next book. (laughs) (laughs) That's your new style book that are yeah
0: i i i for me um I have very little colors that make me feel the way that red does, and it's not just any red, it's finding the perfect red mm. you know i our orange reds don't look wonderful on me, but blue reds do
1: when you're stacking books mm. on a on a shelf behind you when you're going to be doing a Zoom call, Mm -hmm. Um, how how important is it to have the titles be visible versus obscured? And I ask because another book very loudly says the word mediocre Mm -hmm. on the side of it. And I think I might just be getting drawn to it for reasons I don't understand.
0: Yeah. I also um consider that very much and as a person who I just shot a show of my own uh it's a puppet show called That's Not How You Do That and the things you learn when you're shooting a show is uh I was doing it during lockdown and quarantine and had just moved and was designing a set but also was designing the place we had to live Mm. and when you're designing a set the thing that you've got to think about so much is that you can't show for licensing reasons so many things Mm. and it was a real lesson in how to find your style. um, Because although filming a show and building it out, building out to live on a set of puppets, um, we still had to live there. So for the past three years, all of my books have been turned around so that you only see the pages.
1: You don't see the titles. You
0: don't see the titles at all. And when I moved here, it was such a shock to turn them around and to see all of the colors. And I am the kind of intentional that if that, I I want the book there, I want it on display. Um, I'm also probably in the middle of reading it. You can take the book jacket off, and usually underneath, you're like, "This is even better." Why didn't Why didn't they just leave this beautiful book? Mm. So, the display behind me now, even for my eyes to get used to every day, I'm still working on it because I'm used to seeing such a neutral palette. But for living, y- you don't know what book it is. You yeah. can't how you can't do
1: that. Are puppets scary?
0: <laughs> Depends.
1: Were Depends. your puppets scary that you lived with?
0: No. I think only in the uh terms that it was a show that was meant to be done exactly. I'll just give the in we were supposed to begin shooting in April 2020 and so it became so much more of a personal and like home task I. You know, when you make something and you make it under the guise of, uh, this is how it will live. And then it completely, I'm sure we all went through those things. Mine happened to involve being quarantined in a house on a set of puppets.
1: With puppets.
0: For years. And I will tell you, there is no support group for that. I looked. <laughs> as
1: You're on your very, own. A very,
0: very specific issue.
1: When I moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, from mm. the city of Seattle, there were three things that my wife and I noticed pretty much right away. One was an abundance of eyeglass shops. Mm-hmm. Two was a rather large, invisible population of nuns. And three was the inescapability of puppets. (laughs) Every time the children would go to a birthday party, there were puppets. When we would ask them, what happened in your second grade class today? Well, we started our unit on puppets. (laughs) which would go on and on and on. There were several performance venues featuring puppet shows that were suitable for adults. Mm -hmm. Not dirty puppets, although perhaps, but just shows that dealt with adult themes that happened to be represented by puppets. Mm. And it, I found that scary because I found that the puppets had, were gaining more power than I wanted them to.
0: That, That is true of puppets. And I was just speaking to someone, and I'll, I'll say, in this place, the, the puppets are here. One of them is very large, like, a, when when the when it's on, it it is a about seven foot puppet.
1: Is this a puppet costume that you wear? Yes. Okay.
0: The others are smaller, but boy, they they are a menace. They are in a closet, and I did say to uh, the people doing the project, I was like, when this is over, I'm going to take these puppets outside with the full intention of burning them to ashes. I might, I might play a few screams mm-hmm. to make it more real in the background, but like a lot of things, and like I will tell people to get it out of your house if it's not making you feel good or don't go around it. Yeah. They got to go.
1: But you didn't burn the puppets, did you?
0: Oh, I it I will. You will. They they still have a little bit of work to do. Um one of them may survive.
1: The 7 foot one? No.
0: That no
1: <laughs> oh no, would you plan to burn your puppets in a public space like at a in a park or something, or would it be a more private ceremony as
0: someone who enjoys a theme, a themed event, uh Again, I I enjoy the intentionality of it all. I feel like it would, uh, and I have thought about this, um, I will send out invites, address code. Um, I would like to make it a private event in a public
1: space. Okay. Would you invite children to this or would you warn passers-by in the public space about the puppet burning to come?
0: No, I would not warn them. As part of being authentically me, which I think we should all present as at all times, unless we did mention Coco Chanel earlier don't do that don't yeah but if it's not (laughs) don't make those friends but in this case uh there will be no warning i might invite children and say there was a puppet show because it is
1: a show yeah and now it's time for them to go With a seven-foot puppet in Hmm. your home, how did you sleep?
0: The puppets never... The puppets don't make it difficult to sleep I because I understand where they came from. I think maybe if they were outside puppets, you know, these were all built in the home, Mm. Um, so never, never scary or shocking or any of that. I am more so, um, again, if it's a thick jersey sheet, I'm not gonna sleep. Mm. If there's a seven-foot puppet that I know was built (laughs) in the house, I'm, I'm, I'm all right.
1: What about if you woke up and there was a second seven-foot puppet in your house?
0: I'm also a person who has seen some things. Um, and again, as a New York City kid from the 70s who grew up in the Chelsea Hotel, the potential of another puppet very high yeah um I am I'm not easily spooked Mm -hmm. and uh you've seen some things I've seen some things I'm I'm not a person as I don't think many New Yorkers are we would rather confront there are situations where you know you gotta run, um, but even then not a I think i' i I'm always like, can you try roasting it or reasoning with it
1: with the puppet
0: if i'm I mean I'm talking about very specifically this mm. unknown origin second seven puppet. Foot puppet, yeah, yeah. And I feel like the, the first choice, uh, understanding yourself, staying true to yourself, would me be being like, are you serious?
1: Would you immediately have a person in mind in that scenario who you would think was behind the placement of a second seven-foot puppet no. while you slept?
0: No, no. Would it I be John Hodgman? No, it, I would immediately think it was another sentient puppet. Like an actual, what?
1: That word had gotten around that this was the place to go.
0: My, my general idea of life and the world that I subscribe to and I know as reality is magical to the point where that seems very reasonable to me.
1: Mm.
0: I'm like, anything can happen.
1: We've talked a little bit about style. Mm. What would you wear to a public puppet burning?
0: Oh, well, that's a very everybody come fabulous um, in a textured sort of way. Mm. Let's go very heavy on the textures. You've got feathers, put them on. You've got any exaggerated giant gloves, put them on. Anything full, big, exaggerated. I would love to see um, just fantastic funeral wear, very large hat and almost like a gotier sort of uh, uh, feeling. Uh, uh um uh and uh Mugler sorts of shapes but if if rods giant rods on the hand mm. there's um in uh this is the season of uh drag race before this one the all stars where raja uh they do this game the snatch game and they uh they do impersonations and it's always fabulous, but Raja chose to do Madam, but full life-sized Madam.
1: From Wayland Flowers and Madam.
0: Yeah, just, if anyone came in just full-on Rod Puppet styling, I would thoroughly appreciate that. But um, beyond that, I guess, Fabulous, whatever makes you think about puppets texture-wise, size-wise, nostalgia-wise.
1: Would there be singing at the public puppet burning?
0: No, martinis. Mm. And then, I mean, I don't know if I can control the singing after the many martinis.
1: Yeah, that might happen. Yeah. You mentioned... uh, some textures that mm-hmm. that you enjoyed what would you say roughly are your top 5 textures
0: ooh what a fabulous question um a very crisp cotton i i i love the way it and i i i don't always like um manipulating it with heat so it's perfectly straight i think that's wonderful i love to see things you know sort of crinkle and feel lived in and be like i don't. it doesn't matter to me i i know um silk yeah in general just silk the way things feel uh i'm i'm actually uh a fan of like a viscose my mom had a lot of things that i'm taking out of her storage and realizing like i'm always like why does why do i enjoy the way this feels against my skin anything with accordion pleating Mm. pleating styles is just really beautiful to me um like a lot of issey (sighs) Miyake. hmm
1: some types of window shades.
0: Oh, well, window shades are and drapes are such a a huge issue. And I had someone uh, the 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 handyman for the building come in, and he's like, "You have half curtains. You know, people from the other side can see." I was like, "He was like, I'll just bring you some fabric." I was like, "Sir, you or you can't just bring me." Random Some fabric, fabric, <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? And so now I know that they think I'm completely insane. Uh, and I'm like, it's gonna take me a year to find the right curtains for here. So, uh, and uh, at texture wise, something that takes light, I really like um, reeded glass.
1: Mm. Okay, yeah. when the the handyman said people can see you from the other side. Did he mean people who have died?
0: <laughs> I, because this is a very old building
1: in New York,
0: probably, and yeah, yeah I also think that you know when anyone says, um, "Why are you living in New York?" like it's an old building, it's haunted. I'm like one. I tried living somewhere else. My style, my lifestyle, my story, my future story includes that I must be here. But also, do you think that ghosts just started happening at a certain, do you know how many bodies there are, especially in a large city, everywhere at all times? Like there's not one just Victorian child. Also there's... those nightgowns.
1: Yeah. Well, it's my understanding that in New York, if it's a good apartment, people are reluctant to leave. Yes. And I would think that would apply to ghosts as well.
0: Yes. I I spent a very long time. I took uh it took me a year. To find this place because you know New York is a a hard place to move. If you find a place that you love, that works for your lifestyle, that works for your your pocket, that works for everything, and you know, I guess let's be honest, it's New York. Nothing really works for your pocket. It's you know, New York poor is uh, very rich a lot of other
1: places (laughs) but
0: um i was i won't say lucky enough i did a lot of very intentional searching to know what this what my apartment needed to look like
1: what neighborhood are you in
0: i'm in bushwick i last lived in bushwick probably in uh 2000 and it was a very different neighborhood some things still the same but
1: Are the ghosts the same?
0: I've lived in one place uh, in bed that had one ghost. Mm -hmm. And uh, his name was Henry, and he liked throwing glasses out of the cabinets. Um, Here, uh, no ghosts. I, I generally pick up on things. I ask them if they're around, um, very quiet, very light, not a heavy space. Otherwise, I, I, I would not be here. I am also. If there are ghosts, <laughs> I'm good.
1: You don't I, I'll go.
0: There. I'll
1: go. I'll be on your way. Final question, then. Mm-hmm. If you've had a public burning of puppets. Are you concerned that the ghosts of those puppets would return to your home and haunt you out of retribution?
0: No. In general, my style, the way I present, um, when I was talking about telling a story without having to tell a story, you know? When you see someone, you're like, okay. I generally think that I very intentionally have a, you don't want this presentation. My voice might say differently in terms of softness, but I don't think the puppets would go against what they already know. Hmm. I did this to you once. I could burn your soul now. I made you. Yeah, so no.
1: Jean Gray, thank you so much for sleeping with us. I very much enjoyed hearing about style and beds and shelves and puppets and ghosts and puppet public burnings. Good night. That was perfect. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Jean Grey right now, while it's still fresh in my mind. 1. Children of the 1970s who grew up in New York City and lived in the Chelsea Hotel have seen some things. Two, if you are over 30, it is not okay to sleep on empty pizza boxes anymore. You need to invest in a good mattress. Leave the uncomfortable, lumpy futons to the 20-somethings. Three, there are rules to organizing bookshelves. Four, Sometimes books look better without a cover. Five, there is no support group for people who have quarantined with puppets. And six, if you're looking for nice prints to decorate your home, museums are a good resource for that. Okay. Uh, uh. I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Jean Grey. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok with the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle to use is at sleepwcelebs. Why is it different? I'm not sure. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Social media assistance provided by Charlie Moe. Our music is provided by the Winter Bowers. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. Sleeping with Celebrities is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night night. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.